Welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. My name is Christopher Peter and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the podcast that will serve as your source for common sense analytical commentary on salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Our objective is to provide ideas and analysis to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. In this podcast episode, we are going to discuss employment in America and why work is important in any society as well as ideas on how to make it more protective of workers and productive for buyers of labor and our economy overall. Then, I will join Jennifer to address some structural issues with employment in America. First let us start off with discussing why people work in general. Why is it important that people work and not just stay at home? An economy is a system of exchanges. Does not matter whether you are looking at a free market capitalist economy, a socialist economy, or a communist economy. There is a system of exchanges in order to disperse goods and services to the people that need them and provide inputs for the production and development of those goods and services. For instance, the most entitled economic system in the world, communism, may seem to provide citizens with free goods and services, but citizens exchange their labor for the production of those goods and services. In a capitalist economy, people exchange their labor for compensation and they decide what mix of goods and services they purchase based on their individual needs and wants. Under socialism, there is an exchange of labor for compensation as well, but may not be as beneficial to some as capitalism or as restrictive as communism. In any system, there is a need to exchange our talents, skills, and knowledge to secure the goods and services we need to live and provide the human capital inputs for our economic system as a whole essentially the give-and-take system that benefits all in society. That is why we work. That is why it is important that America continues to be a nation that prides itself on work, productivity, and innovation. While the global economy is not the net some game people make it out to be, in a moment or short period, there is scarcity for resources. Nations that want to foster the best outcomes for their people will find ways to be efficient and effectively use the available resources to maximize the outcomes for the people that live in their respective societies. Productivity and innovation allow nations to do more with less. Both afford an economy greater sustainability but reducing the resource input requirement for a society. The more productive an economy is, the greater the ability to assist others who may not be as innovative. The greater the ability to find avenues for trade, which fills gaps in the global economy. Nations with a productive and participative society are generally positioned better to perform at the highest levels globally and the better a nation is economically, the stronger they tend to be diplomatically as well. As we just witnessed during the recent pandemic, the nations that buy more goods than they make become critically dependent on the nations that make those goods. Therefore, the makers of the goods have economic power over the nations that buy these goods. Not a great position to be in when there are shocks to the global economy. Global trade is beneficial for all. But there is an importance on having a dynamic and balanced approach to economic matters to ensure that you are resilient when these shocks happen. So we cannot have people not working in our economy when there are opportunities to improve domestic supplies of critical goods. While importing goods may be more cost-effective, we need to have a domestic apparatus to ensure that we can make these goods and can ramp up to fill shortages. At the end of the day, the reason people cannot stay at home and not work is because of the lost economic potential, an important opportunity cost, as well as the impact on the balance between those who contribute to our tax coffers that fund the non-workers and those drawing from those same coffers. We all heard the old adage that it would not be called work if it were fun. For the worker side of the economic equation, work is not always convenient. Yes, every able-bodied person should work and earn their keep in society. But, sometimes employers go to great lengths to make working inconvenient when it can be more worker-friendly and conducive to that increasing productivity that organizations want to experience. For instance, remote working is a hot topic in the employment world. 
people generally prefer to work remotely than have to go to the office every day. On the contrary, many managers or leaders do not have the proper training at times to manage remote teams. Besides consultants, tech execs, and other industries that have teams not located at the same building, many leaders stick to the old and outdated approach that they must watch the people that work under them. We see organizations talk about teams being a family, message about trust and mutual respect, yet when it is time to show that trust they are not willing to. In their defense, there are times when workers clearly do not truly honor their obligation to maintain their productivity while in the home work environment. We have seen people at the beach when they should be working. Seen people shopping and dining when they are on work hours. In many jobs, you are still expected to work the same hours when you are at home as you did when you were in the office. Some view the arrangement as working the shift at their convenience. Another major issue in working in America is the wages paid to some class of workers. Unfortunately, the easier you are to replace, the less people will be willing to pay you. Because there is competition for your position. If you want more money, but someone else is willing to do it for less, then that person will be more attractive to hire. Like if you were buying a car and one dealer had an extremely high price and another had a price in your budget range or a price that allows you to afford some upgrades, you would take the lower of the two prices. For many minimum wage workers, the problem is that there is a great number of replacements for every position available. And the situation is getting worse as there are people not elevating their skills beyond this point, an influx of low-skilled labor coming in illegally, and many youths seeking early employment experience with minimum wage positions. The best way to improve your compensation and ability to elevate your career is with education, stronger experience, or entrepreneurship. Some argue that there needs to be a legislated cost of living point, but minimum wage has proven economically harmful to many communities and creates market imbalances. There are plenty of studies that show the impact minimum wage has on teen unemployment and teen crime. Also, people tend to be trapped in these positions because they lose the incentive to try to advance. This is why you see people stay in some of these jobs that were intended to be for teen workers or true entry-level workers. There is a need for income mobility. From a macro perspective too, paying more for the same quality of work is not efficient either. In the Responsible Wages podcast episode, we discuss ways to make minimum wage more tolerable and less harmful. We will discuss more about this in a bit. Unionization does increase wages to some degree, but also limits the number of available positions. An interesting point I heard during a lecture before was that with each wage increase for ports on the West Coast there were significant percentage reductions in the usage of those ports as shippers avoided the higher costs. Therefore, the long-term effect one can expect will be less staff in the future. Unions can be good. But the fixing of labor cost at a higher level than the real market would dictate does have negative impacts. I believe more people need to understand the need to approach their employment as a career. Although we discuss the importance of working from an economic perspective, you should work in a manner beneficial to your needs and wants. Do not sell yourself short to benefit your employer who will just give those savings to an investor or to your supervisor. Understand what you need and want and plan when you need to make your exit for higher pay. Understand market changes so you can take advantage of opportunities to increase your compensation for your skills, education, and experience. Every able-bodied person should work but you should manage your work into a career. Do not get comfortable. Want better. If your current employer does not see the value in your experience and performance, maybe their competitors will. Or maybe your background can be applied to other industries. Now, let us bring in Jennifer to expand our discussion. My name is Jennifer and welcome. I wholeheartedly agree that working is important to our economy from a macro level, but also for each one of us at a personal one as well. The skills, networks, and achievements gained during our work experiences help enrich our mental capabilities, our organizations, and our communities. 
We should also view our employment endeavors as a step in a career. How does our current role prepare us for the next role? How can the people I meet in this organization bolster my network to become more attractive to my next desired employer? And you get the picture. For many low-skilled labor, especially early on when the bulk of the workforce fell in this category, unions helped increase the take-home pay of many of these workers as well as improve workplace conditions. Also gives a voice for the voiceless, who have some important perspective in the whole system of an organization. An issue with unionization is the cost of labor is inflated higher than the market labor rates would be. For fields that are global, there are options for organizations to pursue if these rates become unsustainable in the eyes of business leaders. As you just pointed out, the higher the pay raises there was a decrease in usage associated with ports on the West Coast. Although this was pre-pandemic. In the current era, are unions beneficial or are they a relic of a past America? For some fields, unionization will be a crutch for workers. There are some people who decide it is better for them to blend in with the crowd than stand on their own to secure pay raises. In some fields, the supply and demand may need market manipulation in order to maintain what is perceived as livable wages. Although I would argue that the people excluded from the labor market as a result of union activity might not feel like they are experiencing livable wages without work. But, the argument would be for the person to find another job. Not a bad argument, if the person is not specialized in a specific line of work. There is a reason why union membership continues to decline and that right-to-work states continue to see their popularity rise for both residency and corporate domiciles. Most people no longer want to be paid what everyone around them is paid, but the ability to ask for higher pay or leverage competitors for income mobility. For some fields like education or government service, unionization will still be a popular thing. But, I think policymakers should consider policies that protect the economy from allowing union members to seek pay raises at the expenses of society. Not the right approach. Also, another factor impacting union membership is the usage of automated equipment to replace the need for human beings. Robotics are heavily used in auto manufacturing reducing the number of line workers needed. As former President Barack Obama once pointed out, the invention of the ATM put many bank tellers on the sidelines along with online banking and bill pay. There is no need to really go to a branch these days. The increasing usage of artificial intelligence reduces the need for staff in many areas of the economy. If we consider the combined impact of globalization with technology, the need for workers is shifting. But that is always the case in our society. Technology changes always changes how a society works. How can policymakers and business leaders address employment shortages that may be a result of technology? I always believe that technology is a good thing. Technology makes us smarter, more efficient, and improves quality. The real issue is how do you handle when a local retailer has a self-checkout or a kiosk instead of a cashier? The answer is that you have to allow for innovators and entrepreneurs to foster the organizations that will help turn these diminishing skill sets into a different function. Maybe those people who would be cashiers can now be data entry clerks. Some skills are transferable to new applications. I also believe that we need to stop seeing unions market information that is not completely accurate. For instance, teacher unions continue to talk about national shortages of teachers in the field, but there are a declining number of students enrolled in public education systems. Improving the teacher-to-student ratio is important, but I think creating a misleading sense of a shortage, when students will graduate and struggle to find work upon graduation. Like lawyers who are being replaced with technology. I believe we need to do a better job of identifying true areas of need and encouraging employment and training in those areas. 
Many people who are being displaced by market shifts like technology or by public policy that makes their field the enemy of the environment in the minds of the left will need to find new fields and be trained in those functions. The issue with the cost of living in America is important. But, I too continue to believe that minimum wage does more harm than good. It is a knee-jerk reaction to a problem and proponents of the policy purposefully ignore the real economic harm and social chaos it causes. There needs to be a better approach to solving the cost-of-living challenges many face. On one hand, talking about income mobility without any plan to afford it to those who need it does not help either. We need to have a solution that helps people who are willing to work be able to cover their expenses and plan for a path of income mobility without harming the economy and creating market imbalances that increase inefficiencies. I believe there is a great irony to see that the markets are doing a better job of improving wage growth than policymakers currently are. I do not believe America should have a national minimum wage, but minimum wage should be local within the limits of a city. The economic effect of a specific wage level varies between geographical locations. Consider the common number of $15 an hour. In a city like New York or Los Angeles, that figure is not livable by any means. In other places, you could do fairly well for yourself with that amount. It is all relative to where you reside. Also, once you set a floor for wages, the cost of living will also be impacted because now companies or local businesses will need to adjust how they allocate revenues. Here is something many people are not aware of. Most small locally owned businesses have clients who reside fairly close to the location. Of course online retailers or web sellers are excluded, but most businesses have customers without a reasonable range of the location. For a multinational, they may make the adjustments to an expense account. Maybe raise prices in inelastic markets or just reduce the number of employees in the impacted market. But local small businesses will have to raise prices to generate the revenue to offset the new expense. As you can imagine that increase can be quickly erased if the cost of living increases proportionately. But we know the increases will most likely exceed the actual cost incurred from minimum wage. Then you experience the employment loss, the negative economic consequences we discuss all the time. Work is important to a society and there are things we can do to make work more convenient. Remote working is not a bad thing, but something most employers should allow. Develop a leadership style that allows you to track productivity, maintain connectedness, and still develop talent. Workers should think of employment in terms of careers not jobs. Think of the long term, not just the here and now. Employers should be willing to pay reasonable wages. You get what you pay for. Increase the rates but also set standards that are measurable and firm. Also, our society needs to do more to encourage entrepreneurship, not just becoming a cog in the corporate or government systems. There are benefits and challenges to being your own boss. But, the economy always needs new market participants to hold current ones accountable to the customers. Many mature markets have little competition and need disruptions by new thinkers and service providers. Competition does more good than regulation. In closing, I thank Jennifer for her continued contributions to this podcast. Also, I thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer common sense and informative content. The Christopher Peter Review features not only this podcast, but feature commentary from Christopher Peter and news coverage via yours truly. Please continue to visit the Christopher Peter Review channel at www.crcrvw.com daily for new podcast episodes, commentary, news coverage, and curated news content as well. Our focus is always providing objective common sense analytical content centered on facts, evidence, and data. We leave the partisanship and political hysteria to other sources. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.